night of our lives but you're gonna let it be the worst and i guarantee a week won't go by in your life you won't regret walking out letting them get the best of you well i'm not going home we've got too far and i'm gonna stay right here and fight for this lost cause a day may come when the courage of men fails but it is not this day the line must be drawn here this far no farther i'm not saying it's gonna be easy you're gonna work harder than you ever worked before. But that's fine, we'll just get tougher with it. If a person grits his teeth and shows real determination. Failure is not an option. That's how winning is done. Believe me when I say we can break this army here. And win just one for the Gipper. But I say to you, what every warrior has known since the beginning of time, you've got to get mad. I mean plum mad dog mean. If you would be free men, then you must fight to fulfill that promise. They just cut out their living guts one inch at a time. And they will know what we can do! Let no man forget how menacing we are. We are lions! You're like a big bear, man. This is your time. Seize the day. Never surrender. Victory or death. Touch the Chicago way. Who's with me? Clap! Clap! That they may take our lives, but they'll never take our Independence Day. struggle we made it work what's the word kick day what's the word to the kc morning hoes huh not a not a thing not, not a, a not a dang thing to say ain't nothing wrong with that yeah we got a big week yep the week before the storm it's not a storm it's don't say that no, no no storm the storm's happening now so we're gonna miss the yeah. storm yeah going to new york for valentine's day yeah valentine's weekend weekend it's a whole shebang in the big apple where, where do they store the apple do we know where they keep said apple um it's the friends we make along the way i'm not really sure what the apple is someone said on twitter you know what what type would it be granny smith i said that oh that was you i said that take a munch out of it love me a good cobbler so i haven't figured out what we're gonna do as far as shows go but we'll get that all figured out wait we're back on monday sunday we'll be back i don't actually know the dates you keep asking the I dates do. um and even like what yesterday you text me and you're like hey uh just checking the dates are 15th or 17th How- we would miss valentine's completely wait when is valentine's the 14th 14th ah 
Okay. 12 through 15. Oh, I was way off then. I mean, you know, sort of close. That was, it was your, your start date for us, but no, it's our end date. Unless, you know, God forbid we get snowed in there and we can't get a flight home. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Whatever shall we do? Whatever will we do? We will definitely not hit up homies so we could continue staying there and having fun and frolicking. We wouldn't do that. We would never. It's not our style. No. No, not on this show. Not us. We want to come home. And do exactly what we We don't want to daydream about living in the Big Apple. We would never. We never. Maybe just a little. We ain't even watching the Super Bowl. We'll watch the halftime show, like, later. We were gonna, you know, find a spot in New York to, you know, find a Chiefs bar and do the Super Bowl in NYC. That would have been dope. Didn't happen that way. That's fine. That means we got a day back. That's a really good point that you made. Because I was bummed. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was looking forward to that. But... I was also bummed to have to spend the entire day watching <laughs> the Super Bowl while we were in New York. Because it's not like we're there all the time. I feel like somebody, uh, somebody got a win out of this, and somebody I, got a help. I'm very disappointed that the Chiefs didn't go all the way. But hey, it's always next year, baby. And we won't plan a trip on the Super Bowl next year. Did you see those pictures of Pat? You know he's at the Pro Bowl. He's in Vegas. Yeah. You see them pics? My man was faded. Oh my goodness. That okay. gummy hit. On the show today, we've got Elena Cleves. She is with Grace Advertising. They do some amazing nonprofit work and she uh, she preached on this one it was good it was very very good and also on the show we have Chris Winger he is with the KC Pet Project if you've noticed the rise in animals that have been dropped off just folks who can't afford them anymore he made a really good point about housing as people are losing their roofs they can't keep their dogs anymore so we're going to talk to Chris hopefully you can maybe get inspired and maybe just get moved to foster some of these dogs or maybe bring some of these good old boys and good as the girls home forever oh yeah stop it i shouldn't have looked at you as i said that stop it stop it we wrap with a sports thing with bet sided's benny heist part of the fan sided network that's a jam-packed show baby girl what you doing today you gotta work i gotta work see we're gonna eventually get back to doing a full show you know we'll do the news take a little break with the news yeah i gotta do a list at some point I was gonna do a list today, but I feel like we got a we got a lot of stuff to do. We got so much going on the show. Had a whole thing. You know what? I'll just say it now. If you're trying to get it in this Valentine's Day, just know it's gonna cost you about four hundred and sixteen dollars. Damn, it's expensive, but you know what? It's worth it. Some folks would call the some folks would call the priceless, Kitty. <laughs> okay. Oh, you got nothing, huh? No. <laughs> My name is Hartzell. That is Kitty. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell these folks it's a good day to be a Kansas Cityan. It's a good day to be a Kansas Cityan. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. We'll see you in the morning. Bye. Bye. Greetings, Hartzell. Search the force and a tremor I have felt. It was you. Your ego just busted a planet. The KC Morning Show. For the first time, oh, this is the first time. What the hell? What am I doing? The first time on your KC Morning Show, Elena Cleves. She's the lead writer with Grace Advertising. And when Elena told me about what she was doing, Grace Advertising, I was thinking about something totally different in my head. But what Elena is doing, she is she is in them streets, y'all. She's out here highlighting <laughs> the needs of our folks. I'm talking too much. Elena, welcome to the show. Tell these folks how amazing you are. Or at least tell them the amazing work you're doing. <laughs> 
Thank you for having me, Hartzell. So, Grace Advertising, we're actually celebrating our 15th anniversary this month. My CEO has been running her business. She was running it out of a small office in her home. And now we are just about to get our office in Kansas City, our second office. So we've come a long way. She covered Medicaid expansion from day one to now. And we are continuing to fight the good fight every day. And it feels like, I don't know, it feels like something's happening in Kansas and you really do love to see it. I feel like with the push for Medicaid expansion. We were talking off air how that includes medical marijuana in there. So I guess with you all, Grace Advertising, I'm going to read an article from Elena Cleaves. What kind of vibe am I going to get? What are you What are you passionate about and what are you working on right now that maybe we aren't talking about and we need to? Our main focus is health equity. We want to make sure that the people who have fallen through the gaps of health care are getting what they need, that they know about what they need, they know about what they don't, already know about (laughs) and that they find out where to go, how to get help, how to get the resources that they need, that they deserve. So with Medicaid expansion, we've seen it in Missouri have a good impact so far. We've seen it have a good impact throughout all the states that have adopted the expansion. But, you know, there's almost 300,000 new people who are now eligible and hardly anyone has taken advantage of that. As much as it's out there, people don't actually know about it. So that's one of our big focuses and something that we're continuing as Kansas looks into it is getting Missouri and Kansas to talk to each other and say, you know, this is an experiment. We've seen it in 39 other states. We know it works. We know it gets people out of ERs and it gets them preventative care so that you're not sick or injured in the first place. And there's literally no argument at this point that says it's not a good idea. Even financially, it's more expensive to not have it than to expand. Yeah, I guess I'm curious, you know, because we always talk about how we need to fund all these big programs and we need to. In fact, we need more of them. But what does that mean if we have these fully funded programs and no one is using them? So I guess my question is, how can we reach out to folks? I guess what is the step to get folks to use these programs, to be using things like what you all are talking about in your articles? The biggest thing we've seen and what we try to do at Grace is storytelling above all. You can take the numbers argument, you can take, you know, data and put it in people's faces, but we've seen that doesn't always work. (laughs) You know, bringing up the science and the evidence isn't necessarily always the strongest argument. And so now we're seeing people lean more towards storytelling and really just explaining how honestly how senseless not expanding it is i was on a panel discussion the other day i attended a panel on kansas medicaid expansion and they were talking about this woman who was a working mother she was a single mother had children to raise working and in the workforce actively as an adult she also was going to nursing school and through all of that she made too much money to get insurance in one area but not enough money to get insurance from like medicaid And so she was like, I don't understand. (laughs) You know, she's talking to her application counselor. Like, I don't understand how I am too rich for some insurance and too poor for others. Mm. I'm working. I'm going to school to become a nurse to help others to keep the rest of the workforce healthy. I have kids to take care of. And for whatever reason, I don't qualify for insurance for what seems like nonsensical boundaries. And that's exactly who we're trying to help is getting those people to understand that, you know, at least in Missouri right now, 19 to 74 year olds, if you know, you have access to insurance you might not have had before. And that opens up so much more (laughs) for those people, their families, reducing costs on them, but also on the state. Of all the stories you're telling, I'm I'm curious which one you've written, which ones hit you the hardest? Oh, 
<laughs> I'd have to think about that. I think that one was one of the ones that hit me the hardest was hearing the story of, you know, being a mom and being exactly the person that we want to help and that we're like telling people to be in our society, go to school and get a job and be an active member of the workforce and raise a family. And she's doing it all. And we're still like not granting her that basic need. I think what a lot of people don't understand is how impactful preventative care is and how important it is. And that's something that Medicaid opens the door for is taking care of yourself before you get to a point where you're at emergency. You know, the the biggest cost that not expanding Medicaid has on states, most of it comes through closing hospitals. And that especially happens in rural areas, Missouri and Kansas, where hospitals are, first of all, few and far away from everyone. So people are already driving super long distances to get to the hospital. There's a whole series called Where It Hurts. It's a podcast series. And we did kind of a follow-up summary of the whole series and put it into a two-piece article. It follows the closure of this rural hospital where, you know, people are driving several hours just to get to the hospital. They only have one car in the family. So as soon as that person is done with their appointment, they're waiting eight hours for their wife to get back from work and pick them up on the way home because they don't have the ability to go back and forth to go home. So they're sitting in a hospital all day after appointment for this care that they need. And because it's so difficult, a lot of people will just not go to the hospital at all. They won't take care of themselves at all. They'll try to treat diabetes on their own, especially chronic health problems, roughing it on their own at home because it's easier that way or because, you know, they fall through the cracks. And so they don't have that health insurance that allows them the privilege of going to a doctor, you know, routinely and getting their teeth checked up and things like that. And so you see these problems get worse and worse and worse until they can't be avoided and suddenly it's an emergency, but their hospital is six hours away or three hours away, or they don't have a car, even if it is close. And so when those hospitals close, because, you know, they're trying to keep up with the ER visits to paying that out because taxpayers are paying that, you know, not health insurance, those hospitals close, you're losing that access that was already so spread thin. And all of those people just lost their emergency lifeline. And so that ripple goes out through the rural community all the way pushes those people out to urban hospitals. You saw that during COVID where as soon as hospitals started filling up, you're flying patients out to nearby states. Now those states don't have any room. And so it's a domino effect that, again, if we just give everyone the care they deserve, we prevent so much happening both to people personally and to the economy, the workforce, everybody around that. And I'm also hoping you can dig into this, especially this assault on women's rights and women's health. I don't know when a baby becomes a person, but I, what I do know is that's <laughs> a woman right there and she's an actual person. And I know that her rights are being infringed upon. I'm hoping you can also tell us a little bit about this, especially as it relates to Medicaid. For a lot of folks, their only access to women's preventative health or just women's care is through Medicaid or is through a government funded program. So can you also talk a little bit about that too? We haven't covered the women angle specifically of Medicaid a lot just because we've been focusing on the expansion part, which is extending it to working adults and especially young adults. But personally, as a woman, I mean, <laughs> having that access is something that it's just it's, it's a right that goes for women that goes for everybody in any form of Medicaid, Medicaid expansion, that access to healthcare for certain things and certain people like that's just something that we need at the base level. In this moment we are in, it feels like we're going backwards real, real fast. And you are on the ground in the trenches and you're seeing how this stuff is having a real world impact. And I'm wondering, are you even still hopeful? What keeps you going every day, going to work, writing these articles, having these interviews? What gives you that spark to keep doing this every day? Hmm. I will say that it gets exhausting. We talk about how Roe versus Wade is in danger and everyone 
is like, that's crazy. It's been around forever. They're never going to change it. And look where we are. It's exactly what we said, you know, was going to happen several years ago. It just feels like it always comes back up no matter how hard we fight for it to go away. And that just gets tiring at some point. And it gets hard to keep believing that it's eventually going to go the opposite direction. I think what helps what helps keep me in the work every day is seeing the work that's being done to fight it. There's such a move towards patient-centered experiences in providers, in healthcare facilities, in clinics, in basically every level of the health industry. It was already starting, but COVID really exploded that. Looking at the people and not just treating patients, but treating the people that are coming in. That also goes for racial equity and social equity and things like that. But just understanding that at the end of the day, these are people that we're dealing with. It's not about what we think is best for them. It's about what they think is best for them. It's what they know is best for them. My biggest argument in anything, especially with women rights, but also just with patient rights, is autonomy. That's something that's really near and dear to my heart is the idea that no matter what's happening and no matter what I'm going through, I understand it better than anyone else around me. It's inside my body. It is my body. It's my mind, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, if it has to do with gender, like in any possible way, I understand my body and my experience more than anyone else does. I know it's better for me and I can make my own decisions better than anyone else can. I can get suggestions and opinions and understand the risks of certain things. But at the end of the day, no one's going to know better for my situation and be able to give me a better outlook on what's best for me than I am because I understand the full encompassing experience of what I'm going through and what's going to be the best outcome for me. I think especially that speaks for women who understand their situation and know whether or not they are in a position when we're talking about women's rights, like birthing people. I'll say that too, not just women. It goes across the spectrum of every facet of identity, right? In racial situations and social situations, when you're discussing your gender or your sexuality, your body as a woman, anything like that, you're going to understand the full experience of who you are better than anyone else is. And so for birthing people, especially who are in the situation of making the decision of taking on a human life and raising that, and doing a good job and being able to provide for themselves and for this other life, other potential multiple lives, <laughs> or not doing that and the options that come on that side, like no one else is going to understand that better than that person is. Any argument against that, I just don't understand <laughs> how we come to that. I can understand why people personally don't want to do things, but thinking that you know what's better for someone else when you have absolutely no understanding of who that person is on a base level, but also everything that goes with them in their environment, their relationships, their financials, you have no idea what's best for them, even as their doctor, you know, you can provide advice, you can give personal stories, you can do whatever you can to try to influence. But at the end of the day, you just don't know that person's situation and they need to do what's best for them. And you are not going to be the person that decides that. Elena, you are appreciated. Your work is appreciated. <laughs> I mean, that was, you just preaching, girl. And I loved every bit of it. It needs to be said. <laughs> and for some reason, I don't know, blinders are put up and it's time it's time to knock those things down. And we're going shoulder first. You are going shoulder first. And I just want you to know, my friend, I'm a better person having met you, what you're doing, the work you're doing. It's incredible. You know, you're, you're amplifying what is owed to us. Our rights demand that. It's time for us to claim them. And you're, you're helping us get there. Elena Cleves is a lead writer for Grace Advertising. Where can folks go to see your work? Plug some stuff, girl. We have two sites. We've got one site that focuses on rural health news and then one that leads a little bit more towards urban big cities kind of more kansas city area so 
For people in the Kansas City Metro, you can find my work at accesshealthnews.com. And we also, on our Grace Advertising site, graceadvertising.us, you can find a number of free-to-use social media toolkits that have information about the COVID vaccine, basically safety information, where to go if you need a free ride to get a vaccine, helping spread awareness to people who might be hesitant. We've also got a toolkit on HIV and HIV awareness. And then, you know, learning more about getting prep and art through Medicaid to help treat HIV and manage it. And then we've also got a toolkit for Missouri Medicaid expansion. So if you need more information on any of those topics, graceadvertising.us has all of that and more. I am extremely proud of you. We met way back when, way back in the other ages of radio and concerts. <laughs> and now look at you. Keep fighting the good fight. Look I'm at so, you. Look at us. The Who would have thought? Mutual. Who <laughs> look at us. Who would have thought? If there's one thing that I found is as true as the sunrise, it's that I like being on there with hot sauce. The KC Morning Show. On your KC Morning Show, I have Chris Winger. He is a volunteer foster engagement coordinator over at KC Pet Project. Man, that business card, that is a mouthful. Well done, brother. Well, well done. And in this moment we're in, in the past 24 months, it has been wild. And that's also affecting our friends on Four Feet. You excel on the foster side of things, and that's so needed right now. So why don't you tell us a little bit more? And also, welcome, Chris, to your KC Morning Show. Yeah, well, thanks thanks for having me, and, and thanks for uh, bringing awareness to kind of this issue. Um, as you as you kind of hit on, it has been unprecedented for basically all of the shelters within the Kansas City area. Volume of, of dogs coming in have just been absolutely insane. I was I was reading the KC Pet Project kind of CEO letter that was released, and and they were saying that in in 2021, the amount of owner surrender, so that means that a dog came in that was previously in a home, it wasn't a stray, had actually increased 40% in the last year, which if we look at levels outside of the pandemic. So in 2019, that's 129% higher than those rates were before. Not only are stray dogs still coming into the shelters, but we have such a high rate of owner surrendered animals as well. And it's it's almost reaching capacity for all of these shelters um, in the area. It's pretty crazy. And I, I think it's a bit of a, a few things. And I, I know you're very passionate about affordable housing. And I think that's one thing that we see a lot of with these owner surrenders are not only is affordable housing tough to find, but affordable housing that allow animals is, is even harder to find. And so we're, we're seeing a lot of families having to be separated from their animals because they can't afford afford or they can't find homes that they can afford that allow animals. And so it's been a tough year. It's it's tough to go to the shelter and, and see wire kennels in, in rooms where dogs are having to having to stay. We necessarily don't have a have the the fix to the overall issues because legislation probably needs to be passed for that. But one of the big things I advocate for and uh, a lot of Casey Pet Project shelter employees do is the is the foster program. And what the foster program basically is is you are a temporary home for a dog. You, you get the dog from the shelter and, and they come to your house and you become kind of that advocate for the dog. So you try to do some marketing, you do any training that needs to happen. You just provide them love and care and, until they can find that kind of home. The, the best way I kind of described is being that bridge. The shelters aren't designed to be homes for dogs. And so the longer they stay, the more stressed out. And so a foster can really come in and, and take that dog and kind of save that dog from having such a high anxiety life and prepare them for their next adventure. Honestly, you know, I didn't think about this. You kind of blew my mind there because yeah, this, this 
crazy panini, as we've coined it on this show. We did see so many homies have to lose their roof, and you're right. It is such a it's such a bigger picture because that means losing your roof, sometimes your pets. And I'm curious too, and maybe I'm wrong here. I don't know the stats, but like on Easter, we always say, you know, don't go buy your kids rabbits on Easter. Did we see an uptick in in pets being adopted or or purchased? I hate saying that word. At the beginning of the pandemic, some of them are now being brought back. Is that a thing? I'm honestly just curious. Uh, You you know, I I think that's a a pretty big news story. I mean, I I think if we had smaller volumes, we might be able to really pinpoint if if that is more than just kind of that myth that happens during the holidays. When you're taking in uh, 60 animals a day, it's it's hard to tell if that's because someone had a puppy and didn't want to take care of their older dog anymore or, or whatever. So I, I would lean more towards that's a myth. I've, I haven't seen any definitive numbers that really confirm that being a, a thing. But So I can't blame little Jimmy for this. I'm trying to find somebody to yell at. <laughs> I, I think you could just yell into the abyss like we all do about <laughs> the, the COVID pandemic. I mean, there's really no one we can blame. So we just kind of yell about everything. Break down how much you enjoy fostering. We know how important this is because the numbers show that, but it's more than just you trying to keep the numbers down. You know, why did you want to do this? Why did you start doing this? Why are you taking in animals in your own home? Yeah, so I started basically because I finally got the chance to. I worked for a company that required me to travel a lot pre-pandemic. And so when the pandemic hit, it, it kind of stopped all of that momentum. And I was like, I've always wanted a dog. So I knew my life was going to pick back up at some point, or I hope. So I thought fostering was the best route for me because it, it wasn't a permanent decision. And I, I think for anyone who's worried about fostering, I will just preface it like bringing a dog into your house is not a easy decision at all. But the good part about fostering is one, if you have commitment issues, which if you ask my girlfriend, I might be one of those people. Uh, a fostering is is a short-term commitment to an animal that allows you to have the all the comforts and joys of an animal without really committing to having that dog for an extended period of time. But also what I really like is is fostering. You see such a wide range of animals and every dog presents new challenges and, and a way for you to learn more about dogs and more about yourself. And it's so rewarding and it's such a roller coaster. You ride those crazy couple of, of days to a week of, of bringing that new animal home and kind of doing the dance of how are you going to be? How am I going to be? They're learning, you're learning. And then you kind of slip into that routine of that dog fitting into your life and you figuring out how to live. And then every foster story typically ends with you being heartbroken because the, the dog that you've grown to, to love gets to go to a home, but it's the best kind of heartbreak. I was a high school teacher for a tiny bit in my life, and it reminded me a lot of you have these students who come in and really struggle, and so you do your best, you put all of your effort in, and you love them, and you try to prepare them for what's coming when they get out of your classroom. And it's a very similar process with a foster dog. is You put your heart and soul into it, and you, you give them all the skills that they can be successful, and then your goal is when they leave your care to, to, to be a success in, in whatever they go on to do. And with a dog that's in a, in a home, it's just kind of those moments you, you have. And every, every dog you foster, you'll come back and you'll have those tiny things that when something happens in your day, you'll look back and think about. And it's just those really fun and cool moments that you, you get to share. It just keeps me coming back. 
I always joke that it's going to take a real unicorn to get me to keep my foster. Um, I haven't quite found that unicorn yet, but <laughs> I'm sure it's out there. The foster coordinator, Casey Petsbradek, always says that she knows that day's going to come. Um, my 15th foster just got adopted oh, yesterday. Wow. So where um, can we go? We want to share in these success stories, my friend. What can we do to just to help? Yeah. So the the big thing is through KC Pet Project, they have a few different types of fostering. My first recommendation would be go to their website, check out their foster page. There's a bunch of different things. So if you if you don't think you can foster for an extended period of time, there's options to just take dogs out of the shelter life for a day and, and get to spoil them for that way. We do temporary fostering where those people who come on hard times and they don't want to be separated from their dog. We do temporary through their home away from home program through KC Pet Project. So that's usually a 30 day commitment where we take their dog in and let them try to get back on their feet. And then when that 30 days up, they can be reunited with their pet. This is a really cool community project that was just started through KC Pet Project last year. Or just if you're if you're ready to commit to being a foster, just hop right in and there's a kind of a dog form that you would fill out. Just be very truthful about what type of dog you're looking for in your situations. I will say a good slogan that I kind of tell people is, is you can foster. If you have a house that allows animals, you can foster. If you have another dog, you can still foster. If you have kids, you can still foster. It's so open. There, there's so little reasons of why you can't foster that it's it's easier just to say you can do it because it's it's so easy. I had no dog experience coming in. I'm surprised they still let me take dogs. Um, <laughs> everything that you think is holding you back from fostering is, is not a problem once you get into it. My friend, thank you for doing what you do. We need more folks like you, and we got the goodest boys and the goodest girls, and <laughs> they need a roof. They need a place to stay. They need to be loved on because they are much better than us, so much better than we are, and they need a place to stay. Chris Winger, he's a volunteer foster engagement coordinator for KC Pet Project. Man, say that 10 times fast. I'm, I'm not kidding. That's a hell of a business card. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, everybody, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to KC Pet Project or, or myself. I've got a, an Instagram page you can hop on. It's Chris underscore foster underscore friends. And I'm happy to answer any questions you might have about fostering. Thank you so much. We'll chat soon. Thanks, Arts. I'll have a good one. Your style is unorthodox, but effective. The KC Morning Show. Sports! Let's do a sports thing. He is our manager and chief, the managing editor over at BetSided, part of the fansided.com network. See, this is why I love this is why I love you, Benny. One of the many reasons why I love you, Benny Heist, because we are we are I won't say nostalgic, but I will say romantic for radio, sports radio, talk, the whole the whole idea of radio. And I can call you, I can text you, and you'll be like, yeah, I got five to seven. I say, yeah, let's do five to seven, and we'll go in three, two, one, and then we go. Benny Heist, we just, we get each other. I would go so far as to say we're pretty damn good at this, man. I, I would say so as well. I think there's an opportunity where, like, listen, mo- most times you understand this, like, radio is, is built on chemistry right you need to make sure that a you have something to talk about but when you don't that's when you rely on just like picking up different things from the person that you're working with mannerisms and and sometimes like those can be hard over the phone but you'll pick up on something that i say and we'll take it in a whole different direction (laughs) the point is the point is that throughout these conversations we we get each other and and that's nice it's it's nice to be on the same wavelength with somebody in the morning 
It's just, it's a beautiful thing, Benny Heist. A beautiful thing with Benny Heist. That might be the new name of this segment, my brother. That might, that might be it. A beautiful thing? A beautiful yeah. thing with Benny Heist. I mean, it doesn't feel like it's accurate. <laughs> Me and beautiful in the same conversation, man. Like, that, that's going to take some time to get used to. Oh, you stop it, Benny Heist. Not only are you a beautiful man, you bring beautiful takes. And I'm on, I'm on fansided.com. I'm going to the bet cited tab. And I saw an article you made. And this is, you know, Super Bowl season. I know it's a little bit bittersweet sweet here in kansas city i might watch it i don't even know yet I'll, I'll be honest i haven't decided yet wait wait hold on hold on hold on slid on why what would you watch instead would you like like put on a put on a show that you're trying to catch up on like it, it's it's the super bowl i just don't i don't care anymore i feel cheated i feel like something been stolen from us i mean i just <laughs> it's just too soon you know it's, oh come on the body Hartzell, is still Hartzell. warm we, no. we gotta get over this because because chiefs fans chiefs fans just the thought of even playing in a super bowl what three years ago like when mahomes first got drafted three four seasons ago still felt like a bit of a pipe dream you're spoiled you're you what you are, you're a spoiled Chiefs fan now. That's what you are. <laughs> you're trying to tell me, Benny Heist, that after only a week, you and go back out. It's only been a week since the breakup, and she already got a new man, and you're okay with that. You're gonna watch that, Benny Heist, because I can't watch that on my television. Yeah, you can you can root for you can root for the new man to fail. <laughs> and if they fail, they do it in front of the grandest stage of them all. You make some excellent points right there. You know, Benny Heist, I'll be honest, I hadn't thought of it like that. And I know you're not missing that halftime show. You're not missing Dre. You're not missing Eminem. You're not missing Mary J. Blige. You're not missing Snoop. You're not missing Kendrick Lamar. That's, that's going to be a dope show, and you're going to watch it. Yes, I am. You make a very good point. It's like the folks <laughs> that say they're done with football who are actually not done with football. Those people can go to hell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I was done with football when, when all the players started nailing and not respecting our flag. Meanwhile, I'm going to yell, home of the Chiefs during that I'm going to get myself in trouble. That was a hell of an impersonation right there. That was beautiful. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> that was almost as good as my Obama. That was pretty good. Well, the, well, the, the, the Obama, <laughs> it has to... Uh, it, there, there's a cadence. And, uh, and well, I, I know that mine is just not, not great, <laughs> but I would imagine that yours is probably better. So you say that, Benny Heist, but I think they're both very, uh, very comparable. But, see? <laughs> uh, I like that. Now, you know what we should do one time, like, because I, because I, I've done some. I don't, I don't do a Trump because you know he's not worth my time. But like, I, I do a, I, I've done a Clinton and I've and I've done a Bush. So Ooh. at some point, like, maybe Ooh. just, just for shits and giggles, we we get some of the old presidents. Yeah, on a conversation together to talk about current events. We're going to do our own Hall of Presidents like they do at Disney. In fact, we'll probably do the, we'll do the voiceovers better. That's what we'll do. All right. Now I'm intrigued. Now, <laughs> this, this is what somebody could watch. Like, if we did this on YouTube during halftime at the Super Bowl show, clearly we would get millions. And, uh, you know, the rest of the... The rest of the great musicians over at SoFi Stadium, they have to be like, look, <laughs> something's up here. We absolutely just made your point that we will talk in circles. It's all yep. about the rapport. We ain't said a goddamn thing about sports yet. It's just what we do, Benny Heist. Let's do a sports thing real quick. You had an amazing article up on the website. Again, fansided.com. Check out the bet cited portion. The first ever prop bet. In the Super Bowl, you're a gambling man, and we just think of prop bets as like just a thing that's been around forever. It's also kind of fun. That's the stuff that, you know, you do this with that. Tell us about this fascinating story that also hits close to home for you, yeah? Well, it hits close to home for a couple of different reasons. So there was a director over at Caesars. His name was Art Mandaris. 
And I was just coming across some information because I, I thought it'd be interesting to write about like, okay, we've been doing this for a long time. You know, we're betting on the coin toss in the Super Bowl. What color the Gatorade bath is going to be? You know, anything and everything is basically available wherever you want to bet because it's the, one of the biggest gambling days, if not the biggest gambling day of the year. And so I want to know like when this first got started, when it was sort of went beyond just the spread or the total or money line bets, uh, which is basically determining, you know, whether a team will win straight up or not. Uh, and so this guy was the director over at Caesars. He was looking for this way to try to find another way to get more casual bettors to find something to, to gamble on for the Super Bowl. And so he's came up with sort of this like yes or no wager. And at the time, the the, the 85 Bears, like a, a legendary team, um, with Mike Ditka as the head coach, Jim McMahon, the quarterback, uh, and Mike Singletary, Richard Dent on the defensive side of the ball. And Benny, the rep. Oh, the Super Bowl shuffle. That's right. Yeah, hard to hard to imagine a, a world without the Super Bowl shuffle, <laughs> without question. But So Walter Payton was on that team as well, and the Bears were just pummeling the, the Patriots. This was the, this is not your... You know, your old school Patriots of you know, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. These are the, the 1980s Patriots. And I think the Bears were up 37 to, to nothing, maybe 37 to three. I'm trying to remember what the exact score was. But but even before that all took place, this director over at Caesars was trying to think of like, what's what's something fun that I could come up with that would get like casual betters to, to jump on board? He's like, oh, OK. So the Bears had this gigantor of a man at the time named William Perry. His nickname was The Refrigerator. This guy set odds at 20 to 1. So if you had bet $10, you would have won $200 if this bet would have won. So he set the odds at 20 to 1. He said, will William The Refrigerator Perry score a touchdown? Sometimes you see offensive linemen, you know, catch a pass or run the ball in. Um, Don Tari Poe did it a handful of times when he was a defensive lineman for the Chiefs. But the Bears had given William Perry three rushing touchdowns earlier that year. But it was also earlier in the year. They hadn't done it in a while. He hadn't touched the ball. So he's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to incentivize all these casual bettors to jump on board. I mean, their eyes are going to light up when they see they can win 20 to 1. And so with the Bears up 37 to 3 late in the third, Mike Dick had called in William the Refrigerator Perry to run it in. Perry! That one registered 3.8. Another Super Bowl record. The first refrigerator to score. <laughs> He scores the touchdown. They have to pay out. But turns out all the other sports books in Vegas basically copied Art Mandaris. And they offered the same thing. And the public was so in on it, Hartzell, that it went from 20 to 1 odds all the way down to 2 to 1 odds. So they realized that there was like this new crazy fun market where you can get more people involved and interested in ultimately betting on the Super Bowl. But that was the first ever prop bet. It was William the Refrigerator Perry scoring in Super Bowl twenty for the Bears against the Patriots. And look at it now. I mean, like like you said earlier, it is a Super Bowl tradition for a lot of folks to to make those prop bets. A lot of folks will wait until the very end of the season just for this game to do that. And it all started with a touchdown from the fridge, man. That's amazing. It's crazy to think of just how far it's gone. You're gonna see hundreds if not thousands of available prop bets wherever you might be looking it's a fascinating market to see how much it's evolved really over the last 30 plus years and once again kansas missouri what are you doing speed this process up let's man. go video heist where can these folks find you on them internets yeah they can find me if they're looking for me and and sort of my 
bizarre tweets and 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 I don't even know what I'm saying. Musings, it's still early Benny in the Heist. morning. My musings, yes, the the, the Twitter musings of a Benny Heist. They can find <laughs> me at Benny Heist on Twitter. Uh, and of course, if you're looking for anything you need with regards to the Super Bowl, um, or if you're just looking to bet a little college hoops or NBA or NHL, whatever your your heart is set on. Uh, we can make that happen for you. Just go to fansided.com slash betsided. My brother, we'll chat later this week. You got it, sir. We are the best shuffling crew. Shuffling on down. Doing it for you. We're so bad. We know we're good. Blowing your mind like we knew we would. You know we're just strutting for fun. Strutting our stuff for everyone. Well, they call me sweetness, and I like to dance. Running the ball is like Mickey Moore Mance. We had the goal since training camp to give Chicago a Super Bowl champ. And we're not doing this because we're greedy. The Bears are doing it to feed the needy. We didn't come here to look for trouble. We just come here to do the Super Bowl shop. This is Speedy Willie, and I'm world class. I like running, but I love to get the pass. I practice all day and dance all night. I got to get ready for the Sunday fight. Now, I'm as smooth as a chocolate swirl. I dance a little funky, so watch me, girl. There's no one here that doesn't like me. My Super Bowl shuffle will set you free. I'm Samurai Mike. I stop from cold. Part of the defense, big and bold. I've been jamming for quite a while. Doing what's right and setting the style. Give me a chance, I'll rock you good. Nobody messing in my neighborhood. I didn't come here looking for trouble. I just came to do the Super Bowl shuffle. We are the best shuffling crew, shuffling on down, doing it for you. We're so bad, we know we're good, blowing your mind like we knew we would. You know we're just strutting for fun, strutting our stuff on everyone. We're not here to start no trouble, we're just here to do the Super Bowl shuffle. Show.